Welcome to Into the Storm Leaders, the no BS podcast that ignites leadership potential and sparks innovation in the ever-evolving business landscape we all work in. I'm Joe Jurek, your host and catalyst for growth, joined by my co-host and Culture Shock senior coach, Pete Hansberger. Together, we embark on a journey to uncover the strategies, mindsets, and actions that drive truly exceptional leadership and winning culture. Whether you're an emerging leader looking to level up in your career or an accomplished executive seeking fresh perspectives. Join us as we uncover inspiring stories and thought-provoking insights from proven leaders and share practical takeaways that enable courageous leadership. Get ready to charge into the storm and become a catalyst for better workplace culture. Folks, welcome back to another episode of Into the Storm Leaders Podcast. I'm excited to introduce you today to Darby Walsh from Delta Business Strategies. We've had the pleasure at Culture Shock of working with Darby directly over the past few months to establish uh, better follow through, get consistency in some of our own internal processes. While, yes, we're facilitators, we see the benefit in having an objective outside facilitator help us through things as well. And that takes us to Darby. Darby, you want to say hi? Yeah. Hi, Joe. Thanks hi. for having me on. I really appreciate the. Uh being here and being able to talk about uh, the exciting world of processes and workflows and process optimization. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, we're, before we got started, you were saying this is, I, I hope talking all about process isn't going to be the most boring podcast in the world. It's like quite contrary. <laughs> there is some excitement that comes with a really well-formed process. At least I imagine some of our listeners feel that way because they probably suffered the slings and arrows of broken processes or not fully formed processes in their business. And uh, we're going to open that up, pull as much wisdom and expertise out of your brain for our listeners today about establishing process and all that you do uh, with your clients at Delta Business Strategies, but also talk about your journey, uh, military background, as I understand. Yep. I want to get into EOS, want to get into unique ability, Colby. There is a whole bunch for us to cover today, uh, but why don't we start kind of with your start, take us through the journey a little bit. Tell us, uh, are, we're in Ohio now. Are you from Ohio? How did we get to from where you started to where we are today? Yep, uh, sure. <clears throat> so, you know, it's uh, it's it's quite a journey that I've had. It, uh, uh, you know, I went to college, uh, you know, just like a lot of other a lot of other folks, but got very disenchanted, just very bored, couldn't sit still, didn't uh, wasn't learn anything. And uh, left left college uh, my junior year. Okay, um, where'd you go? And, uh, Allegheny College. It's Allegheny. in yep in Meadville, Pennsylvania. So uh, I think one of your previous guests was uh, Meadville. Rob Smith of Acutech is right. on the board for yeah, Allegheny a, College. Yeah, that was a great episode. Yep, yeah, great episode. Uh, but yeah, I went to Allegheny College in Meadville, Pennsylvania, awesome. and uh, decided one day that I'd kind of had enough. I'm um, tired of wasting my money and my parents' money, and joined the Marine Corps. Um, my, uh, my friends were, weren't very happy with me. They wanted me to choose an easy, an easier path. Um, couldn't understand why I was joining the Marines. And I, I said, well, it's the hardest branch and why would I not? Mm. Um, and you know, I was just looking for adventure. I, I needed to get out, needed to go do something that was cool and fun. Uh, and joined, you know, with the full intention of being in the infantry, um, uh, my recruiter yelled at me because uh, I could have had any job that 
pretty high ASVAB score and blah, blah, blah. But um, joined the infantry and got to travel all around the world. I've been uh, been a lot of different places. Wow. Um, after after the after the Marines, um, you know, got out and just kind of had some I had some jobs. Uh, I was a construction inspector um, in Richmond, Virginia. Um, it's kind of a job that I stumbled into. Uh, sure. Did you relocate to Richmond, or did you when you got out of the Marine Corps? Did you go straight to? So Richmond I was. Or? So my last duty station was in Quantico, Virginia. Okay. Um, I spent some time as the head machine gun instructor at the officer school there. Cool. And, um, that was, yeah, that was, and, 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 you know, that's a, that's actually a pretty important step. Uh, I went from, you know, just being an, an infantry grunt to being, uh, an instructor and I'd asked for the duty um, and lo and behold, I find myself standing in an auditorium in front of 150 lieutenants, uh, talking about something that I absolutely love, which was machine guns. And, um, you know, it was fun and I, and I got a chance to really get that public speaking bug. I don't mind being in front of people at all talking and presenting and, you know, um, getting people excited about it. And, uh, of course it's not too hard to get Marines excited about machine guns, but, um, <laughs> you know, but that's the chore now with processes. But anyways, that was a, that was a big part in my development and, um, something that I really found out that I enjoyed was talking in front of people. Before you go to the next sure. step or, or what came after when you landed in Richmond, Virginia and such, there's a lot of what you just said that I, I think a lot of people would, it would resonate with, uh, even if people weren't in Marine Corps or service and like on their behalf, on mine, thank you. I uh, yep, appreciate absolutely. the service in a big My way. Pleasure. Nine years is no joke. Yeah. Right. You were, you did it. It was not just one stint, right? It wasn't just four years. Like you re-upped. Yeah, and, and you know, I kind of so I I I, uh, I enlisted for four years, and then um, I had the opportunity as part of our deployment cycle um, to go to Japan, but I had to extend for six months. So I did that, and I extended for six months. And when um, it came back, we came back from the states. I actually re-enlisted for three years. Okay. Uh, yep. So I re-enlisted for three years, and right right as that three-year enlistment was kind of beginning it was when I um, was kind of up for a duty station change uh, and part of the reason why I re-enlisted was I just I was I was having so much fun um, I wasn't really sure still where I was going to go but uh, I knew that the Marines was a big part of my life uh, and I got the chance to I got the opportunity to request a duty station change and as a funny story, my platoon sergeant said, my friend is, you know, the guy who in charge of machine gun sergeants. We're, you know, I can call him and you can go to Quantico if you want. And I, he called him and he's like, you can go. And I said, let me think about it. He goes, no. He goes, it's now or it's over. And I said, let's do it. Yeah. And so I went to, I went to Quantico uh, and I spent, I want to say it was two, two and a half years there. Okay. Um, and that really put me at about seven and a half years, if you're doing the math. Uh, and I, I got out. So I, it was, you know, early 2000s okay. and I was done. Um, and that was where I had found that job. Um, so my wife and I moved to Richmond, Virginia. And then 9-11 happens. And I remember watching the whole 9-11 transpire. 
and my commitment for the Marines was done, but I knew that I had to go back. And so at some point I just said to my wife, I said, you know, we're going, we're going to war. This is what I do. Yeah. I'm going wow. back in and, and, sh you know, this conversation and, and had to go talk to the command for Delta 4th LAR, Delta Company 4th LAR Battalion. And um, they said, yeah, come on. And uh, so I reenlisted for one year. So I'd probably been out for over a year at that point. So I put the uniform back on and deployed to Iraq for six months from April of 2003 to October of 2003. So yeah, it was some broken time. Yeah, Darby, I had no idea. I'm glad yeah. I asked. Yeah. Because uh, that's, boy, you talked about after year three at Allegheny College, how you knew you needed something different, a change, a challenge. Hey, we talk about into the storm. That's a hell of a storm right there. Yes. Charging yeah. into it, doing the uncomfortable, the uh, putting your life on the line, right. uh, going away from what was arguably a lot more comfortable and For easy sure. path at Allegheny College. And then you just stick, you keep at it, right? There, I'm sure there were countless storms that you encountered in the military, but to be done, and then when something so major happens to our country for you to re-enlist, right. that's, an, that's another storm. Like, you got two top teners that, that uh, we've probably had on here. Uh, I got goosebumps when you were telling me about, about yeah. that. Are there other, the other thing that you mentioned is you asked for the duty that, boy, when it comes to if you want something in work, professional life, personal life, whatever, knowing what you want being the first step, right? Like pen to paper or just intentionally thinking forward of where do you see yourself, but then having the guts to raise your hand to, to be vocal. We were talking about Rob Smith from AccuTech. One of the things he talks is promote, promote yourself. You've got to, if you want something, you can't expect people to read your mind or to guess. Uh, you're not entitled to anything. If you want something, go get it. Be vocal about it. And in your case, that's how you went into being more of an instructor role, right? Yep. What if you had to, I'm sure that there's more than we could ever fit in an episode or, or five of a podcast with what you went through what it meant to you and all of that. But being that we're talking about leadership, that we're talking about culture in that phase, before you move to the next step in your journey, anything else that comes to mind that kind of shaped who you are, that, uh, holds true to your own leadership mentality, uh, or just that, you know, it was like that nagging sticks with you. That is a, a part of who you are because of Marine Corps and your experiences that you had. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, when you are in, when you're in, in something that's bigger than yourself, right? Like, so the Marines is, they get this, you know, steeped in tradition and everything. Um, and there were a lot of days where it just sucked. Um, and you know that it sucks. Um, and you embrace it and you just becomes, uh, something that you're getting through with your comments. That's right. You're the guy to your left and to your right. And you, you know, that he's suffering just as bad as, as you are. Um, but you also know that, uh, you know, you know, to talk to those people, right. You know, that, um, you lean on them. And, and, and that's a lot of what I do now when I'm 
dealing with teams of people is uh, I want to make sure everybody's voice is heard. I want to make sure everybody contributes to the idea as we're building a process or documenting a process or optimizing a process. Like everybody has a perspective and a viewpoint on it. Um, whether you're the beginning, the end, the middle, um, everybody puts in their two cents to it and, and you build it as a team. And so, you know, that's a lot. A lot of times I would look to, you know, I would, and I was in charge of uh, several of, you know, Marines at one point, you know, come up to me with a problem and you say, well, fix it, right? How do you, how are you going to fix it? Or go into your immediate action or whatever it is. Um, but you have to, you have to rely on them to have a voice and be part of that, be part of that process to fix things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that teamwork part of it is really, really what I take with me and live every day, sure. you know, because I don't have all the best ideas, right? Somebody that's got a different perspective than I do is going to have just as good idea. We just have to hear it. We have to get sure. it into the, into the pool and talk it over and whatever. When there is good teamwork, camaraderie, trust, the higher likelihood of people speaking up and contributing that, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Processes built in silos miss crucial components, right? <laughs> right? If right. They're, somebody's not fully informed on all of it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, the other part of it, you talk about into the storm, is, you know, um, we would just know that when we were going to do something, there was a high probability that we weren't going to have a whole lot of fun, right? We, we knew that it was going to be cold. Look at the weather report and go, we're going to the field. It's going to be raining. Uh, you know, we went to Iraq, knew we were going to, you know, potentially face life-threatening situations or, you know, whatever it was, um, and you just do it. And it changes your mentality. You get to a point where you're, I don't, want, I don't want to say you're not afraid of things, but you're really not afraid of things anymore. You just put your head down and plow into it, uh, and you just do it whether you like it or not. Um I say that that's a good and a bad thing, right? Because sometimes, right. sometimes it gives you a little bit of false bravado, right? Uh, and you should you should listen to your li listen to the early warning system in your brain. Go, hey, dummy, this may not be the best idea, you know, best idea. And you go, ah, we'll see what happens. It, it sounds like there is something there though about disconnecting the emotion from the logic or disconnecting the the fear being a part of that, but it. Would you say that's an apt kind of assessment of how you were describing that? Is compartmentalizing or separating the two in your thought process? To absolutely, absolutely. When you when you don't have to worry about the emotion involved with it, and you just know that there's something that has to get done, uh, it makes life a lot easier, right? Because certainly when you're dealing with people every day, right? That's what you know. Um, people process and tools, right? Uh, that's why leaders have the hardest job that there is because you're dealing with people and they have emotions. And if you can disconnect the emotion, right, your emotion and understand that, understand where they're coming from, it makes it a little bit easier to at least appreciate their perspective, become empathetic. Just being able to identify why you're feeling the way you're feeling about things, having that level of self-awareness, self-regulation, right? to be like, well, this is the reality of it. Uh, that, that's not going to do me any good in this situation. I'm going to focus on this. 
like that level of emotional intelligence we talk about all the time within leadership, within healthy cultures, people can improve that, right? It's something you can actually just work on through learning, through experience, through influence of others. So I just want to call attention to that when you were kind of describing some of those things, because I think that probably does resonate with listeners too. Yeah. Before we move off of that, because I, I know there's, there's surely much more there, but any other storms, any other pieces uh, that, that you think are, are worthy of mentioning before moving in, or should we just get into you and your wife back in Richmond, Virginia, kind of the next step in the journey? Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, you know, certainly there's a, there's plenty of storms, I guess, you know, but, um, just not taking it too seriously, not, not overthinking it. And that's a problem that I have. I'm, I'm an overthinker, right? Uh, even just coming here today, overthought it. Yeah. Um, and, but being aware of, uh, you know, that's, that's one of my storms is that, you know, um, everything I do, I just overthink, uh, but that's just the way that I'm wired. So, and, you know, back to the, not, not to go too far, but like you can become too emotionally detached as well. You know what I mean? No doubt. And so, you know, that, that's part of the other thing, you know, my wife will give me a look sometimes and she'll be like, can you just like have some emotion over this for, you know, oh, well, okay, but I've got to get the mission done. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, you know, uh, with all things balance, right? Balance, right. <laughs> uh, the, the empathy, but then also the uh, separation of, uh, of emotion from it. It's the challenge that I think every, every leader, every human probably has is finding balance in all things, right? Right. Well, you know, I mean, if people did find more balance, right, you probably would probably have a lot less craziness going on. No doubt. All right. So that brings us back. You've, uh, your hearing maybe went down a notch or two from <laughs> nearly nine years of machine guns, heavy artillery, traveling around the country, uh, charging into a whole bunch of storms. And then what? You got back uh, after your second and enlistment, right? Yep. Yeah. And where'd you do, where'd you go? What'd you do? While I was in Iraq, uh, my daughter was born, and so I get to meet my daughter for the very first time when she's three months old. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. I guess a lot we didn't cover in the uh, in the pregame. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, my daughter was born. So uh, the cool part about it was was that uh, my wife is from the Cleveland area. Um, we were living in Richmond. She moved back down to Richmond. And so I got the, we, we had this great opportunity to just learn about each other and re and, and bond with my daughter and just kind of be away from everybody. She's from a large family and, um, you know, it allowed, allowed that challenge to then be realized. Right. And so, uh, we got to, we got to be, a, be this little tiny family. Um, but the, but I, and the job I was working at was a great job, and it wasn't anything that was super taxing. I was a construction inspector, um, something I had, you know, kind of learned as I you know, entered entry level position. Sure. Um, and so that was wonderful, uh, but it was ending, and so the project the project was coming to an end, and we had the we had the opportunity to move to Northern Virginia, basically Washington D.C. or Alaska, and we chose neither. Okay. Uh, we chose Cleveland, Ohio. Um, moved, moved up here. Um, my friend got a job, got me a job in manufacturing with a, in, with a company, and you know I was the second shift team manager. 
um, and you kind of entered that workforce being a leader, you know, uh, in manufacturing, it's, you know, it's not fun, <laughs> um, but you know, tackled that and, um, tackled went back to college, decided that that okay. was, yeah, that was, that was going to be something that I, that I was a lifelong goal of mine. Um, I still wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but, uh, but I'm a learner by, by nature. I just, I continually am trying to learn something new. The company I was working for was extremely generous and, um, you know, paid for my schooling. So, you know, I, I, by that point I'd come on, I, I'd gotten onto first shift. I was going to work every day, um, working, you know, 10 hours. I would, uh, leave there and head downtown to Cleveland State University and take two or three classes an evening and then drive back home, back to Avon Lake, uh, and back to being a dad and bath oh, time and putting kids to bed and still one at that time or had you uh, that at that point we were on two and three okay four came along my wife said uh she's like listen i need i need you to be here yeah well you have 14 now right no, <laughs> yeah, no, just, yeah no and we ended at four but uh um i took a little bit of a break and still you know still working with my same company uh, I, I kept on working my way up, um, and at, at that at that company they had a really program of continuous improvement. Nice, and I got to be a part of that, and I got to be on kind of the steering committee um, as that went. And uh, they were they were very committed to making things better at all times. Five S events, Kaizen events, um, you know, just always picking a new project. And, you know, they would last for a couple of weeks at a time and it would begin with, and, and that's where a lot of my foundation for what I do now came in. Sure. Um, but, you know, kept on working my way up and kept on going to college and took a little break and back to college eventually. Um, but yeah, so that's a lot of, so that's a lot of where I learned some of the things that I do now. Sure. Um, when I start to talk about processes for other people, it was I understood the the value of everybody on that team knowing exactly what's supposed to happen, right? And and it's not going to be a hundred percent, right? If you can get if you can get eighty percent in the process, you only have to worry about twenty percent. And so, you know, we would try to dial everything in. What do, what do you think the value is for, say, a business's early stages, tasting some success, but readying to scale or, or trying to hire additional people and go from five humans to 20, right? Like, it, have you seen or have any examples of where a process was in place that enabled it or, or wasn't, uh, that, that didn't like, what, what do you think the difference is for those that are poised to grow or, you know, maybe in the process of growing and realizing, Hey, we need to tighten these up. The importance of that is it, it really can't be understated. Um, and so in my experience, I got on board with, uh, with a, a small company, uh, here in the area, uh, Mr. Level Concrete Leveling mm. and they were experiencing really good growth. Um, and what you have to, the, the challenge is keeping everybody on the same page. It's managing that growth so that at, when you're bringing more people on, 
everybody has to know how they fit into the piece of the puzzle, right? Um, uh, you know, everybody wants to know why, right? Sure. In a, it, just as human beings, that's that's it's our natural inclination is to know why I'm why I'm doing something, right? And you can certainly. In the Marines, I had plenty of time where, you know, it was like, why am I doing this? And it's because I said so. And and for the Marines, that serves a purpose, right? That serves that unwavering discipline yeah. that just go do it. You, you have to be able to go do that. Uh, in the civilian world, you get more accomplished with knowing the why, knowing where you fit into the piece, where that puzzle how that all goes together, where sure. you fit into it. And so that's, that's the challenge. And so as that, as it grows, if you're not able to then tell somebody or even better show somebody exactly where you fit into that, into that workflow, right? There's, there's a, there's a thing called a cross-functional workflow where it, you know, it's a whole bunch of different people and positions and how it flows from, um, the beginning to the end, um, it dawns on them and they can see now, oh, I'm here. Here's what comes next. Here's 10 steps down the, the way. Yeah. And you can see the, a lot of times you see that light bulb come on with them, right? And, and then they'll have this great idea. And it's not even something huge. They'll just go, you know, why are you doing it backwards, right? Like put it this way and then that way I can, you don't have to redo it 10 steps down the way or whatever. It's, right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really that big playbook. It's keeping everybody on the same. I've lived it. I'm sure many people have when there was either a well-formed process that you realized there was consistency, people on the same page, or something where, how people sitting right next to each other were doing things completely different ways <laughs> right. and how big of a difference it could make. And there's always that argument of, uh, especially if it's more sales-minded folks, right, uh, needing to adapt to the customer. It's different every time. And Process accounts for there being some variable change between them, but also areas of non-negotiable or where it is more of a procedure, more of a clearly defined uh, versus outline process, right? I mean, have you, what is some of the, do you have any examples of times that there were, was resistance that uh, eventually somebody saw why it was beneficial or advantageous? Like, I don't, I don't think I have a necessary explicit uh, example, but I can, but I can read it on people's faces. Uh, you know, you have people that are, that are married to something that they created. They have a bias. Sure. Right. Um, and you can see the other members of the team start to like, kind of look at them cross-eyed when they want to keep doing what they're doing. Um, and, and, and a lot of times it dissipates very quickly, right? When they see that there's a bigger picture that by, by doing something a certain way, um, they're helping, they're helping the people that they work with. And I think that's the beauty about a procedure as a, or a process, right? A lot of people think that this procedure, or this process is you're going to, you're going to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? All the way down the line. Yes, it's certainly part of that, but by hitting some of, by hitting those wickets, it then allows you to have some creativity in some of the other parts of the of the of the situation that aren't going to be solved by the by the process or the procedure. You're never going to solve all things with a process. You 
if you if you did, you know, you're a miracle worker. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be something that pops up, um, and so you want you want that person to be able to think for themselves, but you also want them to make sure that they got the name, the phone number, the address, whatever it is, right? And then they can go into that problem solving mode for the customer with more focus, sure. more creativity and say, well, let me see what I can do. No. Not needing to come up with all of that themselves each and every time. Right. right? right. So you miss stuff. Even if you've done things a hundred times, a thousand times, you, it doesn't mean that you'll repeat it without it being captured, documented some way, some way yeah. for you to keep yourself honest and to look at it. So, And that's a key point. That repeatability is really, is really what you want to be able to do. You want to be able to have repeatability with those processes. For sure. See, and while I've, in previous organizations and with Culture Shock, led the formation of process, I've built processes around certain things, I still found crazy value in working with you. And I think we have different definitions of what fun is, because you were, you were talking about uh, you got in the military, couldn't leave it because of how much fun it was, and thinking, that's scary as shit. Uh, but then also, uh, how how process maybe isn't so fun for you i feel like you you probably do get a thrill out of it as well but i in that session when we sat down with my team members here and you i mean can we just talk about that a little bit to kind of our origin how we got to to first meet each other how i got to see what you do with clients and uh kind of the the value that that comes with that objective person i i'm always learning I'm never going to say that I'm the foremost expert in anything because the moment I do, the only thing that I know is true is I don't know shit, right? And then I'll learn something new the next day. But I have built processes and things. When I went through that, I was like, boy, I, uh, I felt like a newbie because you asked questions that made me realize, oh, I didn't really make it repeatable in this way yeah. or I haven't really accounted <laughs> for. So... Boy, I didn't really, I, I talked all about that and didn't really give you a question, but let, let's talk when we were in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what was your thought process or what was your process? What? I think one of the things, first of all, uh, before I get into that, is that you made a good point in that you have built processes before or whatever. And, I, and every business, every organization, every person has a process for everything that they do, right? Anytime you do something, it's repeatable, right? The yeah. one-offs and the, the, the low repeat you know, ones aren't going to be ones that you're going to build a process for. But subconsciously, you just think about it and you build a process. Where I think one of the dangerous things is, is um, that you leave somebody to build the process by themselves. And, that's, and so we'll lead into where we're going, how we did. But if you don't give that employee, and so if you're a leader, right? And and one of the worst things I think you can say is figure it out, right? Just go figure it out. Well, I have a problem. Okay, figure it out. You have to support those. You have to support those employees or those people under your charge with, you know, that comes back to that teamwork. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to make a process that's um, effective, right? You want it to be effective. You want it to solve the problem. You want it to become repeatable with high quality. But you also want it to be efficient. And so left to your own device, right? Every employee or every person is going to say, I'll do it this way because it's effective. Yeah. Okay. Um, they may actually even be efficient in what they're doing 
in their little microcosm of what they're doing. Okay. But it has to be effective and efficient in the bigger picture. Okay. So I always, for some reason, use colors, right? So if you, if, if you're, if you're ahead of me in the process and you have a blue one and a red one and you put the blue one on top and then you hand it to me and I immediately have to take the red one and put it on top of the blue one, right? It was effective. You got the stuff to me, but it wasn't, it wasn't overall efficient because now I had to redo something that you did. And it may only take a second, but it if compounds. we do it thousands of times a day, right? And so there's always a process. It has to be effective. It has to be efficient. So when I take the approach of looking at someone's processes and helping them document them and, and optimize them, right? You one want to have that team approach. You want to have um, kind of everybody in that value stream or that process or whatever you want to call it uh, sitting in the room. And so that was the approach I took with you guys. And so, so when I had um, first met Kimberly here at EOS, um, you know, she and I were talking about some things and we would, we were talking about uh, some of the processes here and we had worked on um, what I call quote to cash, right? It's, it's, it's kind of a service model where you have somebody that's inquiring about your services all the way to collecting their money um, and everything in between. You want to capture all that. Uh, and we sat down with you and Pete and Liz and, and, and I, and I, you know, one of the first things I said was uh, no notes, right? Don't worry about taking notes. We're in front of a big whiteboard. And let's just, we're just going to, we're just going to write down exactly what happens um, in its current state, right? Yeah. Because there is a process, but I don't want you taking notes. I don't want you thinking about what you have to write down to remember. I'm going to do all of that up on the board because I want you as the process owners actively engaged in what we're doing. I want you thinking about, even if it's not your step, if you're 10 steps down the way, I still want you thinking about what, what's going on at step one, two, three, eight, right? Uh, and it's, it's very simple. You just have to capture what they're doing right now. And my position of being an outsider, right? It gives me the perspective of being able to scrutinize things that are outside your bias. Sure. And so, so... I see things that other people don't. I was in a session a couple of weeks ago with uh, with some folks, and they said, oh, we enter this in here. And then three steps down, we enter. And I said, wait, you've already done it once. Why are you doing it twice? Oh, uh, and they kind of all three of them looked at each other, and they didn't have an answer. And it was almost that, probably the worst answer ever. We've just kind of always done it that way, and it's like. Okay, well, that's five minutes of your time. You have 100 customers a month. Right. You have, right, 12 months out of the year. Like, how much time is now being wasted where you can put it into something more productive? Um, but map that current state out on that whiteboard, right? And then into a workflow diagram. And then, then everybody has a perspective. They're up out of the weeds looking from you know, whatever cliche 30,000 view you want to talk about, but they're looking down at the process and they're able to see it from a 
perspective that they don't see on the daily basis. And boy, that that ties right into some of what we were talking about with people need to understand the why. People struggle disconnecting the emotion from things if they're the ones who have formed it, right? And they, they can't really see the big picture or look at things through that lens. I think often people want to embrace change. They don't want to be thought of as those that say that's how we've always done it or or what have you. But you when you're it's easier said than done. When you're living in it day to day, sometimes you don't even recognize there's an opportunity to challenge it or that there is an opportunity for efficiency, right? Right. So your process of getting us all together, being an unbiased, objective person, ask us some questions of why do you do it that way? Have you and it's not from an accusatory manner. It's just forcing us to think, why do we do it that way? Is there a better way? Right. Root cause analysis, right? You right. ask why five times, you can usually get to the bottom of really why are you doing it? Yeah. You know, and it sounds, I sound like sometimes like a, like a, a four-year-old, why daddy, you know, why, why? But it's a game almost, right? And then you can see the realization on people's faces when they get down to it and they don't they're married to it or something but then they don't really have a great reason and it kind of breaks that barrier where they can finally go well let's change it then right like let's make it more efficient or i mean i don't have to do this twice i can just do it once and then those process owners right then they then they can start to repurpose their folks or whatever but get to that root cause analysis um why there's something about the camaraderie aspect, not wanting to let somebody else down, being more willing to change because it's in service to others. Like we talk all the time, people change from either an abundance of information, an abundance of pain, uh, or influence and accountability from others. And it's helpful when you've got a combination of those two. You talked about in the military how you know, you're kind of doing it for your your brothers, you're doing it for those that you're on the mission with in a lot of ways. Like, you know, it's going to suck, but it's going to suck for them too. So you rise to it. Coupled with how in the military, it's more do it because I told you to. Whereas when there's involvement, when you might have 100% of the equation, but you omit 10% or 20% to then get collective involvement and buy-in, there's skin in the game. People come out of that that process of identifying clearly forming process or challenging it to refine it and make it better. I don't care if I'd been doing something for 20 years, like there was value in that for us uh, because of those factors, right? It's like the, the collaborative aspect. Now we're all in it together. We want to commit to one another, but also feel like we're heard. We're represented. There is that communal or uh, collaboration now we're all bought in right even if we didn't agree on something we had the opportunity to influence otherwise and ultimately we commit we lock arms and we go forward together that this is the process do you like i can see that being helpful even when there are established processes in place that have been for a while are you like is that something you're focused on too, or is it primarily like, let's really get into Delta business strategies and that I think we did lay out kind of a part of your process and how it worked with us, how we got to here today. But uh, tell us who is your target audience or who would benefit most from 
uh, a consultation or uh, a conversation with you about their processes in some way? What does that look like? I, I appreciate the opportunity to to talk about this part of it. Um, For sure. It's you know, it's the it's the it's the small company that's uh, experiencing some explosive growth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the and it's small to mid size. Um, it's the small to mid size company that's experiencing a problem, right? And and these problems come in many forms. You can have you know um, you can have someone um, that just holds on to that knowledge and then they leave um, for whatever reason um, and they kind of break the process. Or you have these people that are um, you know they they they're not great team players for whatever reason. Um, but you have to kind of break that. You got to kind of break those people out, but it's, it's those companies that are, that are, that are growing, um, that have a problem or just know that it's the great, it's, it's the best foundation you can build, uh, for your company to help it grow. Right. Even if, even if you're just like, I hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a small company, I'm a lifestyle or whatever. Um, but I have a great idea and things are going well, like let's document it right now. Um, because that's where that, all that growth is going to build from. Sometimes it's better to get ahead of it than to be, you know, Hey, we're ready to grow now or, or I'm so busy. I can't, I can't get out of my own way. Um, building that found it's, it's really anybody that's got a company or an organization that wants to build that foundation for all their employees. Right. Um, I have a friend that owns a business and, uh, he said, you know, we were talking about this whole thing as I'm as I'm building Delta business strategies. He, you know, he's bouncing ideas off of them and stuff. And I said, you know, well, what about your processes? And he's like, yeah, uh, I got to get to work on them. And I and I'm okay. Let's talk about them. And I, you know, I, I instantly just dive into why. You know, why why don't you have them or whatever? Um, you know, he purchased the company from uh, a relative, um, and it's the company that's. 70 some years old, I think, maybe even more than that. Um, but he has a person that works for him that's been working there for a long time. I said, what does so-and-so do? And he goes, you know, she, she gets a lot of stuff done and she's like main cog in the wheel. And I said, well, you know, is she going to want to retire one day? You know, and, and it came about to, you know, I need to do this, yeah. but it's time. Right. So that's the other, that's the other part of it. Right. So it's the company that knows that this needs to be done, uh, but doesn't necessarily have the time to do it. Um, there are certain advantages, certainly, to to, to doing it internally. Um, I think the beauty of the way that I handle it is that it's uh, I become a part of your organization, right? I, I just assimilate right in. Um, we do a little bit of discovery. I learn about how you're going to do things. We start to map things out. But I, I'm looking at it from an I'm an outsider, but I'm looking about how I how I can help your whole team get better. You seem like you you got involved with us, but then also got the hell out of the way and put the ownership back on us sometimes, well, right? But... Yeah, I think that's important, right? Like like I'm not I'm not there to implement. I'm just there to help. I can I can be to a certain degree, but. It really is for the leaders of the company, right? Right. And so, oh, that was my point. It was going to be time. So it's for the leaders of the company. Um, you need to be able to hold your people accountable to what their tasks are. If everybody's bought in, if everybody's doing, you know, work rowing in the same direction, right? That's that's a certain help 
in accountability, right? It's uh, it helps everybody else along the way. They're all bought in, right? But to get to that point where you have those processes documented, uh, you you have to make the investment in time, and so that time is either going to come from your inter internal employees, uh, or you can bring someone like me in to give you that fresh perspective and do the work for you. Um, at least the the building and the documenting um, and and later on the improvement. Right? But you have to then take somebody out of your out of your revenue stream, right? I mean, I would imagine most companies don't have people standing around with extra time on their hands. Generally um, not. Right? And so and so um, they've got it. They they have to have the time to do it. They have to sort of have the um, the inclination and the awareness to be able to facilitate it in a certain manner, right? I'm not saying you have to do it like mine, like the way I would do it, but facilitate it and then document it and all the steps along the way that you're pulling them out of your revenue stream, right? So so you know when we, I mean, if you've ever tried if you've tried to hire anybody recently, it's it's a nightmare. Um, let alone have extra people lying around. So that's where I think the Delta business has, um, I don't want to say an advantage, but that's certainly what I can add to, to you don't have to have somebody that's on your payroll. Um, come in, we get it done. We document some things. We get it all on paper. We get the team all rowing in the same direction. We prioritize projects for the future. Yeah. And we say, this is, this is some of that low-hanging fruit, like, what can we tackle? Prioritize them. And then we say, let's tackle this one in two months. Let's tackle this one a month later. Let's tackle this one. And we just come back in and, and it's the same process over and over again. You come in and you just tear that little step, that, that step down, put, you know, do the current state as is. Mm -hmm. Everybody that's, everybody that's a stakeholder, you even bring outside folks in and you rebuild that step, right? Um, especially if you have a bottleneck or something along there that's just causing you problems and the leadership is right. Or if, if they don't know, it'll become apparent when you do that big overarching current state as is. For sure. So coming out of that, there's lots of additional work to be done. I imagine on, on sub processes. Well, on... It's never end. I mean, right. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to stop becoming you're going to stop trying to beat your competition, right? You might as well just throw the towel in now. Okay. Why put the effort in now, right? So it's always, because there's always new technology, True. right? I mean, talking with you the other day, you threw a whole bunch of things at me, how to use Fiverr and ChatGBT and all these. And I'm like, holy cow, I hadn't even thought of this, right? So that perspective from you was, was amazing and gives me plenty of ideas. One of the things I like to make sure that I do is when we're involving somebody in a, in a process is, Get the IT person involved hmm. because they always have so many times I've seen, right? You know, somebody has this laborious procedure to do something and somebody with a little bit of technology goes, oh, I got a better way. Yeah. And next thing you know, everybody's just, their minds are blown and we've just saved ourselves tons of time. No doubt. It Right. And the flip side that I think having their involvement where often that's where you get pushback on, well, there's a reason or security measure or something in place as to why we can't do it that way or why it is this arduous process. Right. Right. Uh, when th there's a why. 
having that sort of a facilitator come in, I, and I, I don't know with Delta Business Strategy if you're, you position as uh, consultants or not. I, I don't see you necessarily as a consultant. Uh, like I, I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this, but like at Culture Shock, we pride ourselves in being anti-consultants. And it's because we've all been burned in some way by a uh, consultant where there was business needs that changed and we're no longer realizing the value that we thought or uh, there's an assessment and here's what you need to do. You work through it. Like the facilitation of the workshop with the deliverable that you handed us, it wasn't uh, just like, all right, go run off and do this. Now here was my two cents or assessment. Like You were part of the team. You were part of it with us with that invaluable outside perspective to challenge not in an asshole way either right like i think we're all open to that sometimes we need we're okay with it we can be assholes but uh it, it came from a very genuine compassionate but also like experienced place it, it felt like have you thought about that aspect or like have you had anyone else tell you that, that not that, in that depth but i but i certainly appreciate i appreciate that perspective and you know i think that the uh the consultant name i don't really care for it either but you get roped into right a lot you know you, you fill out a, a form what do you do uh it's kind of consulting but yes right. it is I, I love the term facilitator so much more um because it's it's more it's more inclusive right and and i I do this. I do this kind of annoyingly with a lot of people that I meet when I start to talk to them about what their processes are, or even even if it's just like a normal problem. My wife gets so angry because I talk. I like as soon as as soon as there's a problem, like I go into problem solving. Yeah. Right. You know, and I just want to get to the end where there's a system in place, right? And that's part of my part of my Colby and week. I know you want to talk about those. I want to put a system in place that solves the problem and embedding myself in with that team of people and becoming part of them, right? They don't, they don't view me as an outsider. They become a little bit more uh, open to me. Um, and that's just kind of who I am. Like I, I'm just a dude, right? Like that's all I am. And I like to solve the problem and I like to be involved in a way that that I can celebrate the victory with you, I can I can ask those questions without being an asshole. Certainly, I could drop into marine mode and be that be that guy, but I'm not right. I I, I like to I like, I like to embed myself in there, and so I'm glad that that was the perspective that experience that you had with me in that in the in those sessions because they are fun. They, it, it, it's fun to do. Yeah. It was funny going into it. One of our team members, Pete, was like, oh, yeah, this will be in and out pretty quick and didn't under, didn't grasp necessarily the layers of complexity or just how many things were included in our holistic like sales process. Or He had a great uh, aha moment. He yeah. He had a great aha moment where he, where he thought, you know, and any, any question, and, and, it, and I didn't even, I didn't even play an active role in his aha moment, right? You and Liz did. He was talking and he asked a question or something about why it has to be so involved. 
and the explanation came from within and he just went, ah, yeah, I see now. And through where, you know, towards the end, he's, he said, you know, this is great. Even though that's not probably where he wanted to, you know, he, that wasn't where he expected to be at, at the beginning. Right. He, right. Thought, he thought it was going to be in and out, like you said. And so that aha moment, that to me is when I see the aha moment with people, um, that's very rewarding for me. And we see that we have the same thing, right? We, that's what's most gratifying or what we get a lot of satisfaction out of. We often talk about focus your time on things that align with your unique ability or uh, instinctive strength. Where you offer the most value, get the most satisfaction, uh, and it, it's just most in sync, you know, with, with who you are and, and what you do most naturally. It seems like Delta Business Strategies, what you're doing now, you know, that that aligns pretty darn closely. Some people are much more process minded than others. I imagine it might get you into trouble in your personal life a little bit when you're always trying to problem solve or going through process instead of sometimes just listening. Have you built in a clarifying question in the beginning to say, are we problem solving or, or just listening like at home at least? There's, there's no clarifying question. It's the, I can, I, I could read the nonverbal clues. Ah, okay. Right. <laughs> so, you know, Side when I comes at me, uh, or, you know, when I know that, that my wife's just venting, I can be wrong. I I've often wrong in trying to identify some of those verbal cues. I think I'm good. I'm well, I didn't say I was good. Right. <laughs> I certainly get in trouble plenty. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a learning process internally, you know, for my wife and I, um, it's just, you know, it's, it's solving that it's solving those things. And so one of the, one of the, one of the fun stories I like to tell, uh, is, you is, is having the discretion of knowing when to solve a problem and when not to solve a problem. So early on at, uh, at um, a place I worked, it was, hey, we have a problem. And it was almost like multiple problems coming at, at us at one time, right? So this is, and these are good problems. These are explosive growth problems, right? So it's not like bad things, but um, multiple problems coming at us. Uh, but it's like, okay, how often does that problem happen? Okay, this, this, we, have, and you know, and someone's very insistent because they own that step, right? And so it happened to be a collections problem. And it was, you know, what, and I don't even remember what it was, but it was, we have to solve this. And I said, okay, well, how often does it happen? Well, probably, you know, once or twice a month. And I, and, and you have another problem coming at you from this, and, and you go, how often does this one happen? This is an operations problem, right? Well, this is happening almost every week. Okay. We're not going to solve this collections problem right now. We're going to solve, we're going to solve the ops problem first. Yeah. And it was really, you know, and certainly you deal with somebody that, you know, we haven't helped that person do their job, this collections person, right? Because we haven't solved their problem, but we're solving a bigger problem first. So we prioritized it. We've executed on this one. We've solved it. It becomes part of the process. Everybody's fine with it. Pops, the collections problem pops back up. And this is, this was. This was the active conversation we had. Hey, that problem's back and you didn't solve it the first time. And I, and I would say, I think it's probably time to solve this one, right? And everybody would be like, 
yeah, we don't have anything else going on right now. Problem solving. We don't have anything else going on. Let's solve this one. And then all of a sudden we reprioritized and got back to that other problem. But you make a list or whatever it is yeah. you do. But it's kind of, no, you don't, you don't have to, you can't tackle every problem. And so I think that's part of that. Once you get past that documentation phase, right? So you've mapped the current state, you've gone into the documentation, you now have this process on paper and then leadership looks at it and they say, these are the problems we want to tackle. You have to tackle them at a cadence that's right for your organization. Sure. Um, you can't just slam every new process and procedure at a group of people. They're just going to get overwhelmed and you're going to, you're going to be counterproductive. You come at them with with the appropriate cadence. And if it sticks and you come to it early, you go back to it early, right? Having that platform and language, just that, that collaborative environment to air all this out, it helps you prioritize as a group too. And we talk about the, the Eisenhower matrix, combination of is it important? Is it urgent? Is it right. one or the other? Uh, and then... Also, smart goal setting. Is it specific, measurable, achievable, uh, realistic, or relevant, depending on who you're asking, and time-bound? And even as it pertains to time management, and if you're trying to delegate, so we, we talk with groups all the time about uh, a way to give a positive no when something is delegated to you is by simply saying, would you be open to looking at or helping me find out where this fits in terms of priority, because here's the other things that I have working on, working right now. Uh, that laying out, like, yes, I can absolutely help with that. However, so you're aware, here are the other important and urgent things that are taking my focus and attention. Is that worthy of deprioritizing one of those? Often the answer is no, but somebody would never... Urgency is high for one party and not for the other. So a lot of times... You know, when something is passed on or you, you ask an admin or ask another department to do something, it's like now, 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 without understanding that big picture prioritization. So this platform being able to lay out, hey, uh, you know, we, we have one or two issues a month here. The other guy's saying, I have 15 a week. If there wasn't that collaborative discussion, the person with one or two a month is like, hello, this is a major issue because that's what you're living in, right? It, uh, so that that's, again, kind of a success story, but I, I think also speaks to just the objectivity, the, the outside party, having somebody work through this sort of stuff uh, with your organization can be super helpful. And w when you get to a different level of growth in your company, you start to establish continuous improvement departments where that is the focus. Like I, I've taken part in Kaizen and done other process improvement initiatives and, and led some of those as well. But we had thousands and thousands of employees. There was a department that that is what the primary focus was. I think there's a whole lot in between who have the best intentions, but there's never enough time. Right? That point that you made, uh, you know you need it. You've got Susie with all the institutional knowledge in the world that either through lack of discipline in capturing a process or even personal security by being the, the sole keeper of the knowledge maintains value, but also limits the ability to scale. Often companies don't put process into place or don't really refine it the way it should be 
until they're until they're forced to when they lose Susie or the owner, the founder, the leader who you know was the doer of all these things, but not necessarily the documenter and the trainer right. of all these things. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so you know, I think that the I think that one of those uh, one of the interesting things is that when you have when you have this person that started the company, you have that founder. A lot of times what I find is, is that they have this uh, bulldozer mentality. Right? They can knock a wall down, get through a problem. Um, so they've been effective, right? but they haven't been efficient. Um, or, 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 uh, or maybe they have been this time. But as you bring people into your organization, as you, as you, as you expand your labor pool, right? most of the people that are, you're going to bring in they're not that entrepreneurial mindset. They're not that. Otherwise, they would have their own company, right? They're they're the employee mindset, and they want they they want things kind of laid out. Um, they're not asking to be spoon fed. They love to be a part of it, but you have to. If if you build it, if you build that foundation of effective and efficient, along with them, right. Uh, one, that founder can then have the peace of mind that it's being done in a manner that I approve, right? Um, it's being done, um, you know, so we're getting high quality, repeatable action. Uh, and I don't have to babysit. I can walk away from it and only be called in when you've hit that 20% that the process doesn't cover. And so... Adds, it adds trust to the organization. Um, it also, you know, you have turnover. It's very easy to train the next person. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that founder can then go, I re, I, it's happening. Or the manager or whoever it is can say, I now trust that it's being done in an effective and efficient. How many leaders, how many entrepreneurs burn out? working in the business instead of on the business because they've not yeah. formed processes well enough. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point, right? So like, so you can be, you can be in the business and that's where most of your employees are going to work, are going to be in the business. Um, and if you just pull them out for a little bit of time and let them work on the business, right. And, the, and, and that, that owner or that entrepreneur gets to work on the business, right? Cause it's a trust thing. If you mm -hmm. don't trust that your employees are going to be able to handle the day-to-day -day, and you think that you have to be in that day-to-day, -day, it's just exactly what you said. They burn out, right? They're constantly worried uh, about how – is it getting done right? I'm a guy that – I like to sleep at night, right? And so I, I, I think that that's why I like to build processes around things. I'm, I'm very much schedule-oriented, you know, because if I know what I'm going to do, I can be prepared. I can handle we were having this conversation before and I'm not very spontaneous, right? My wife gets very mad because she's very spontaneous and it's going to do something. And I'm, you know, you already have that plan. You've laid out the process of the day. I was going to read, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it allows some peace of mind so that then that, that entrepreneur can do what they do best, get out there and, and build the company, sell the company. Um, you know, however, I mean, like figuratively sell it, but like, like, Promoted. how do I get that business to grow? Right. Like, how do I make it expand? Um, 
and certainly foundation, you know, the foundation of process allows your labor pool to do the right thing. Feel like there's uh there's such overlap and parallel between it always being the right time to invest in your people and it always being the right time to invest in your process. Yet there's always priorities that get in the way of it. There's always the reason or excuse to not quite yet on some of these things. That once you have a date on a calendar, once you have a conversation, a commitment and investment uh, in, in an outside party or an investment of collective time in a meeting around this, you're less likely to abandon it and to put other things in the way of it. But it pays itself off over and over and over again. If you put your focus and effort into trust, you know, it's a dividend. Uh, there's this concept, the speed of trust that we talk about. The same applies to team. The same applies to process. Because then you can step back, and we haven't talked much about it yet, but there's this EOS life. Right? Do what you love with the people you love. Uh, make a huge difference. Be fairly compensated with enough time for another passion for other passions. And you don't get to that place if you're exclusively working in the business. So often, though, the, the folks I talk to don't quite take that ownership to say, if people aren't doing it to my standard, and boy, talking military background, extreme ownership is something we talk about all the time, defaulting yeah. to that place of, then what do I own? What could I do? It's not because they suck. It's not because they're unintelligent or incapable so often it's because i've not done that transfer of knowledge from my brain into a way that is clear transparent repeatable where everyone knows that is or in the u.s world fba followed by all right like it i, I don't mean to it, it, answer it for you or, or anything but it's like having this conversation i, I do get excited about it too because i've seen kind of the highs and lows we're, we're going through it as well but in every interaction I have with people around leadership and around team, we ask, like, is this a people issue? Is this a process issue? And we're not going into to really support too much. I mean, we can point towards resources. And uh, in the EOS library, there's a great book called Process. Mm -hmm. uh, we can point folks towards experts like you in it who may be of service. But usually for us, it's more on the people side. Or the strategic planning side, if you're working with one of our implementers through EOS itself. Any thoughts, well, I mean, on the people versus process piece and... Well, yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they're married, right? Um, I mean, you can't have one without the other. If you have people that don't have a process, they're not going to accomplish anything. If you have a process with no people, great, nothing's going to get done either. Yeah. Uh, and so by building the process with the people, right, we've already talked about buy-in, um, they, they, they marry up nicely, right? Uh, and most, most employees, they want it. They, they, they just want to have, give me the steps to do what I'm supposed to do and listen to me if, if I have a suggestion to do it better. Uh, and so the way, kind of the way that I handle it, kind of, it, 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 it works very well together, but from a leadership perspective, right? So, so we talk a lot about the people that are actually doing the process, right? Let's talk about the leader, 
the process owner on the other side, right? Because that's a that's a that's a thankless, super important job, right? And it's and being the leader is probably the hardest job that there is. You know, given you know, given um, the opportunity, most people are gonna, especially at lower levels, right, entry level or whatever, most people are gonna choose to be a doer as opposed to be a leader because there's emotions and there's accountability and there's extra hours and there's all this other stuff that's involved, right? Those, but those people are just as important as the people that are actually doing. By having a process, getting that knowledge, and whether it, that, that leader is the, the manager or the owner or whoever developed the process, by getting that knowledge out to the doers, right? Now the leader can focus on being a leader. Now the leader, you know, in the Marines, we had, we had two jobs as a leader, mission accomplishment and troop welfare. The Marines, being the Marines, would always say mission accomplishment comes first and troop welfare comes second. But we all knew that take care of your people, your mission's going to be easier. Yeah. Right. Uh, and and so we always just put them on the same playing field, right? So it's the same thing in business. You still have to accomplish the mission, uh, and you still have to take care of your people. Um, if you're not bogged down working in the business of what that process is, the leader can actually then have more time to take care of those people. And sometimes taking care of those people are just having the time to have a conversation with them, do the performance reviews, um, you know, do the, you know, if you're in, if, if you're in EOS doing those, um, uh, quarterly check-ins. Yeah. Right. Having these conversations with people just so that they're being heard. And there are so many times when leaders are just putting out fires, fixing problems. And meanwhile, the people component is being neglected because of the process component that's not, that hasn't, that ha you haven't built the foundation. The process is never going to go anywhere. Right. Right. The people could cycle in and out all the time. Right. And if you have turnover, you want to assimilate them into the process as quickly as you possibly can. Right. Nobody wants to go into it six week training cycle so that you can then realize you don't like the job or whatever. Yeah. Those leaders benefit from it as well because they're able to then help accountability, help that emotional person, right? Be a part of the organization. No doubt. No doubt. The struggle for time. Nobody has enough time. Nobody. Right? No. But we have the choice to either do the hard thing now, knowing it'll free us up to have time to spend on the right things, or just continue to suffer through the same thing with this one day. And delegation is one of them. The, the biggest excuse we hear or hurdle uh, is when you delegate, it takes more time at first because you need to train, because you need to set expectations. Well, yeah. But if you don't go through that initial hump up, you'll never get the downhill you know, path that you can now focus where you offer the most value. And a lot of companies, it seems like, or the, the reality is that an owner, a founder, when they start the organization, they may offer the most value by doing the doing. But that shifts. As your team grows, you are the mayor. You are the one who can offer the most unique value in other ways and need to be able to say, it may not be convenient. It never will be. Now is the time to do this because this will enable me to focus where it matters most. Right? 
I mean, that owner had a vision for a reason, right? And they have a vision of what, and if they're, they're doing, right? If they're doing the, the work, they can't implement the vision. Right. So what's that catalyst? What's that lightning rod to say like, now's the time? Is it the, I guess like we talked about change happens when pain, knowledge or influence. Like, have you seen, uh, folks or, or in your experience, you said when they're propelling to new levels of growth, right? A any other? I was part of that. Yeah. When, when, when I joined Mr. Level, I was, that's, that's what I was brought in to do. And the owner, Joe, he was able to take the ball and run with making the company better. Um, and you know, he had this clear vision of where he wanted to be. Sure. Um, you know, he certainly still had some sleepless nights and he gave a lot of his sleepless nights to me, right? As we were, you know, as we were working hand in hand, building the company together, but he has a different skill set than I do. And so he was able to take that skill set into on the business, my skill set in the business, right? Yeah. And then building those processes and people and tools and all of those things you know, down at this lower level, um, I lived it and it was, it's, ex it's extremely rewarding for me because that's my mindset, right? It was drudgery for him, right? And it's, and it, and it took a while for him to, for him to, it took some convincing for me to come over, right? I mean, I had a job before that and, you know, he just said, I want you to come work for me. And I said, not probably not going to happen. And as it kept going and going and going, um, finally he, you know, he said, here's where we are. And I said, I'm in, let's do it. And, you know, we jumped in and, uh, built the processes and, 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 you know, actually one of the really interesting things was, is that, uh, some people don't like, right. Especially a small company. Some people look at those processes as being too constrictive and they choose to opt out. Right. So those are probably people that are a uh, wrong person, wrong seat, or just wrong person, you know? Uh, and so they opt out, make your job a little bit easier, right? Sometimes it's addition by subtraction. Oh yeah. There's right? healthy churn for sure. That's a for real thing. And so that person, right? So if you're that decision maker and you are struggling with knowing that you have to take this step, this step into formalizing your processes, um, I would say, look at your time, look how you're spending your day. Do, are you enjoying what you're doing? If you're not right, there's one in the con pile. Yeah. Right. Um, if you're, if you're losing sleep over, you know, accountability, cause that's, you know, that's a big EOS tool, accountability, right? But you can't make people accountable if you haven't told them, you haven't told them why. Right. Right. Uh, so you have to give them the guidance, right, that that process involves. So you're struggling with, you know, that trust, build a process. And certainly if you if you want to tackle it yourself, go right ahead. I'm not saying you can't, um, but I can help, right? People like me can help, and it's, and it's that outside perspective. It's a whole, no, whole slew of things, right, uh, that um, will help you sleep better at night. Right. And feel less pain during the day. Make you make you remember why you and you know you started that company. That enjoyment. It's wild how much 
of our conversation, even though it's focused on process, naturally goes to like the the psychology, the the human factor in, in all this. And you said, you know, people in process, they're married together. We're instinctively different, right? People yeah. in, in general. And you, we've touched on EOS, we've touched on uh, Colby, and it sounded like your, through your own journey, you've demonstrated that continuous learning or pursuit of learning, not just through college education, but through Dan Sullivan's strategic coach program, I believe, mm -hmm. right? Or at least some yep. learnings from it with yep. unique ability. Uh, and then with Colby as well, and it's funny because ours are pretty polarizing. Uh, we would probably frustrate the hell out of each other, but get some awesome freaking outcomes with some balanced uh, perspective and modes of doing because you were a, you mind if I share? Oh, God, uh, absolutely. 7832. So uh, rather high on the, fi the fact finder, but your initiating factor being follow through and systematizing of process. Uh, your your in the the third continuum mine's a nine yours is a three uh so it higher doesn't necessarily mean better right you stabilize yeah that's to say stabilize and i pour gasoline or you know jump out of the airplane and then put the parachute on with, with a higher inclination to start quickly and then we both are much more visual than we are build it with our hands right we can doesn't mean you can't do any of these things, but to your point with a uh, previous work partner or, you know, just folks that you've worked with, anyone can do anything, but some things will zap your energy. Oh. Others will give you more of it, right? And just align more with how you're wired. Clearly, there's some things not just from your own experience, but also just with who you are as a human that lend themselves to what you do, right? I mean, what it, what would you say you've learned about yourself or did this, when you went through Unique Ability, when you took your Colby, did it reaffirm, validate, redirect you? How did that shape your own awareness and actions that you took next? It's a funny story. I was part of a, and I'm going to go back a little bit. Sure. To the, so when I, was, when I first came to Cleveland, um, I had worked my way up uh, in the company and, uh, ownership came to us one day and said, we're going to go do this thing called EOS and okay. And we all got traction okay. and I read it and I just devoured it. I was like, this is amazing. Like it's a system. So unbeknownst to me, I'm like all about this thing. Right. Right. So I'm, I'm reading traction. I think I read it twice before we started the actual, uh, EO, the EOS process. Um, but I read it. I was, I was completely bought in. I loved it. I still do. I think it's amazing. Uh, and as I'm reading it, I, it didn't occur to me, but they keep on talking about this unique ability. And so I moved on from that company, went to another one. And I actually took the, I took some of the tools that I had learned from EOS to the other company. They didn't run EOS, but um, actually became a, the meeting facilitator at this other company. It was, okay. a, it was fun. Uh, I got invited to the, for, I came in as a, as a production supervisor, um, sort of like a plant manager type person. Okay. Um, very established, 70 year company. Great owners, great, I had great bosses, uh, just absolutely amazing people at that company. 
it was actually very sad for me to leave, but that's where I left to go to Mr. Level. Um, I sat through, I got invited to be on the executive team and, uh, I got, I, I sat through the very first meeting and I was like, if we got anything done and I sat through another one and, and, you know, one of one, my, my boss came to me and he said, what you think? And I'm like, I'm gonna be honest. I don't think we got anything done. And so I immediately sent out the level 10 meeting video from YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and right after that, the, you know, they were like, this is great. Like, let's do this. So they tried to, and I was not, you know, I was just a participant. And then afterwards I was like, I said, well, you know, I think, I think you were part of the meeting and not the facilitator, right? That you might enjoy the, may enjoy the process more and get more done. While I be the facilitator, right? That wonderful word again. Maybe that facilitator. So I ended up becoming the facilitator for the executive meetings. It was weekly meeting. Yeah. Uh, and then I had to I became the facilitator for the quarterlies and the annuals. Uh, and so, that, so that was a fun, fun thing. But that's not just part of that facilitator role that I have assumed or you know brought to Delta Business. Um, but I, we didn't do much else there with EOS. And so then when I came to Mr. Level, I won. Bring some more. Well, I love these tools, right? So, route level ten, and I started reading traction again. I said, I said, okay, now I got some processes documented, some other stuff. Like I'm going to start doing traction. Sure. So again, and I thought this unique ability thing keeps coming up. Oh, I forgot to mention before that I had the the previous company. Um, I had done my Clifton Strengths. Okay. So that's part of Colby. I mean, I'm part of uh, unique ability. So I'd done my Clifton Strengths and and very eye opening. They did it as a company, so all new hires, you know, my level kind of had taken it. And I thought, and if you haven't taken Clifton Strengths, it's this little little tiny book, thirty four strengths. Highly suggest anybody to everybody to take this. You read like twenty pages, and then you take an assessment and it tells you. What what your what your strengths are, and the premise behind it is: your strengths are your strengths. Don't worry about your weaknesses, right? Delegate those. Work on your strengths. Do do what works for you. And I never really thought of it that before, and I thought, wow, that was really that was really quite powerful. Yeah. But as I read them, I, you know, I'm reading through. I'm like, well, I'll probably be this, this, and this. None of the ones that I picked for myself that I thought were going to be my strengths were even it. Really. None of them, not a single one came up. And my top five, four of them were all strategic based. So intellection, ideation, input, learner are all these big, heavy, strategic thinking. Um, learner, of course, is, you know, that describes me to a T. Uh, and then competition. And I thought, what's this crap? And then immediately start reading into them. I'm like, well, this is, this is me. I thought, holy cow. Like it is right. I like, I, I think long-term, I hate short-term answers. I know that they're, I know that short-term problem solving is, an, is necessary to put fires out. I want the, I want to solve it for the long-term. I don't want to come back and have to solve this problem again. Yeah. So, uh, 
go to Mr. Level, I start reading traction again. I, why is there this unique ability thing? So I order unique ability and, and I start to take it. And unique ability is a, it's very eye-opening. Um, you have to be very open to feedback. Part of it is an internal thing and part of it is an external. Yeah. You send out some information to people and they have to respond. Um, and, you know, they end up marrying up. And part of what the internal is, is you take the Colby, Colby A, right? And yeah. I, and I say, and I, so I'm, I'm all excited. You have to take Clifton too, but I'd already done that. So I did the Colby and I, I wasn't super surprised when I got like on some of them, but when I got the systemize and process part of it, I thought, this is, this is who I am. And you start to think of it in the, in the greater picture of my strengths and how I operate. And, and it had a huge impact on me becoming and doing what I'm doing now because I, because I quit worrying about the things that I'm not right. Um, and I, I talk to people that are very high quick start, right? The owner of Mr. Level was, I would assume is probably a very high quick start, right? I'm just not afraid of anything. Um, me, I'm not afraid of failure, but I'm going to ensure my success. And so I also understand that part of that, that where I ensure my success, very slow time. And so I actively have to say, I'm each in the middle, right? Because that's where, that's where our relationship is. Okay. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone by being a little bit faster um, with, I, with the fact that I know it won't necessarily work out. Or I may have to tweak it later for the long-term solution. Yeah. Uh, and so going through this whole unique ability thing and realizing that process and facilitation and teams, right, all the way back to this Marine Corps teamwork and all these things, like that's where I grew my greatest joy was working with all these people, being in front of that crowd, doing that public speaking or whatever it was, um, drawing those answers out and really coming up with a beautiful long-term solution or process that everybody can just kind of put to work, right? Um, it was a highly enjoyable process. And I would, I would, if anybody is trying to struggle with like what, where your path is, yeah, I would highly suggest unique ability and doing that Clifton, doing that Colby, reaching out and being vulnerable to those people that are around you um, and figuring out where that unique ability lies. And there's, it's, it's just like, you know, there's no wrong answers. It's just what's your unique ability. And then just like with anything else, you have to apply it. Right. Right. So. Only half the equation. If you know, now it's, what are you going to do with it? You know, classic low quick start, right? What do I do? I overthink Delta business strategies, right? But I I had some experience with doing what I like to do. I mean, I've done it multiple times, Um, but overthink the whole other side of it. Like, how do you start a business? How do you do all this stuff? But knowing that, you know what, dummy, just jump in, just do it. Just quit overthinking. I said to my, I, I think one of the comments I made to you this morning is that I overthought the whole process of this. Um, completely changed my life. I always thought of myself as being a business owner one day. 
but I could never think of what. Like I, I, I overthought it. Right. And so you're thinking about a product or a, there's so many different ways you could go, right. go with it, right? But Yeah. And how would I go about doing it? And well, this person is already doing it. So why would I start that business? And then here it is. Right? It's, well, now this makes sense because this is what I like doing. Uh, and it it helps other people, right? When I see their faces light up because they're, they have a realization that they just made their business better, I get a charge out of it. I walk out of it going, I did something. Did something cool. Yeah. I did something cool. That fits your unique ability. That's there's uh kind of the the balance of humble confidence. And some people could use an extra dose of humility for sure. Others can use a little boost in confidence because that, you know, if you have too much of the one or the other, you're either gonna be arrogant and turn people off, or you're not going to recognize and kind of promote yourself and be put yourself in position to share your unique ability with others. Like I, I've not gone through uh, Dan Sullivan's program yet. My, our founder here and other team members have, so I've had some exposure to it, certainly with Colby. It too prompted a change in my own life. It was that reaffirmation, that validation that you knew these things, but you couldn't clearly articulate or identify them. And there was always uncertainty and path, but this made it clear as day. This is where I will offer most value and get most energy from is if I can tap into these things. And boy, it, how many how many of us, how often have we operated where we knew with certainty, you know, how we were perceived or we knew something that when we asked, we found out we were totally off the mark. If we don't ask, if you don't have that process then of validating, confirming with others, uh, you can be really narrow-minded and confused, upset, just pissed off when people don't respond the way that you want them to or you think that they should, right? Like that's such a critical recurring step for leaders to take is like level up their self-awareness through critical feedback uh, seeking and... Uh, you, Michael Cantor, who was a guest on one of our episodes, uh, and a couple other folks have now mentioned unique ability and having gone through that process. And then it sounds like that was one of the factors that prompted you in the step to establish Delta Business Strategies, right? And uh, listeners, I mean, something unique about uh, the timing of this conversation, it's like, you're established, you're formed, you're working with clients, but it is a relatively new venture. We're still early phases oh, yeah. uh, where I think that that's exciting because, you know, there's clearly value that you offer. You've identified ways that you can serve others that you love and you're leaning into it, right? Uh, there's also that I want to kind of follow you as you go. I'm sure others may feel the same, uh, whether there's opportunity right now to do some business together or just, you know, if they're like, oh, he seems like a good human and want to see him do well. It's an exciting time. And I'm whenever I see somebody make that step, it's like I want to high five the hell out of them because that's scary. And I'm nine quick start. It's still scary yeah. for me, right? Oh, like yeah. I, it, I joined forces with a team who had already established. 
rather than doing something that you did. So that that's a hell of a storm. How did you, was there anything outside of this awareness, the, the systems and tools that you'd now been exposed to and kind of made your own that gave you that courage to, to leap? You know, uh, certainly, uh, the support of my family. Uh, my, my wife is not, she's very risk averse, but she is supporting me in the effort. Um, there's, uh, it's, you know, back to, back to that Marine mentality where, uh, it's, it'll be fine. Right. Like just, just, it's going to suck. I, I, I even said this to my wife the other day. I said, for the first couple of months are probably going to suck. And I said, but I think it's going to work. I said, I think that, um, I think that I can help people make their organization better. And I think that the people will see value in that. I mean, um, time is, time is something that you can't get back. Um, and if I can help somebody with that, with that help of time, and my, just my building and documenting and improvising those processes where you and your employees don't have to do it. Uh, I think it's, I, I think it's uh, a worthwhile endeavor. Um, but there's a lot of times, I mean, I texted my buddy this morning and I said, getting scary, yeah, you know, and uh, it didn't stop me. You know, I mean, I, I knew that I had to, to, to do it. I knew that it was always a dream of mine to do it. Um, you know, you, you have to take a risk. We have, you have to, sometimes you just got, you, you got to put your head down into the storm and you got to get after it. And if you, you don't, you can't have any regrets. I've had enough regrets in my life, um, where I wanted to do something and I just, didn't have the guts to go after it. Um, certainly some of them worked out, you know, and you know, all the ones I didn't try, of course, didn't work. I sit back and I go, dang, like that sucks, you know? And, 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 you know, certainly as you get older, right. Um, one of the things that kind of prompted me is, is I just turned 50 the other day, well, not there, a couple months ago. And I thought, very strange how the age changes you. And I just, I went from this point of like being more aware of other people, what they thought of me or what they thought I should do to really just going, time's running out. Like get off your ass and go get it done. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, guess what? It'll be fine. You can go get a job, right? Whatever. Just go do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, from an altruistic place, too, like, I think that there's, it's not just for, for you, the better man, the family, and the well-being. Like, you you offer value, Darby. Like, there is something you can help people. You And the something that gets me out of bed in the morning, right, or just, like, pumps me up is recognizing that when you make a change, when you go through a workshop, there's a cascading effect, right? Not just, like, the compounding effect of, how many times this one minute addition costs the company over time, but you know, kind of the invert inversion of that with, if I can help here, 
how many other lives, how many other people, how does that contribute to a better culture, a better dynamic? How, how many leaders does that free up to focus on the things that really do matter most, where they're most uniquely needed uh, and hopefully skilled in? There's that side too that I'm sure fuels you. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of I just call them soft effects that happen when all these things line up, right? Mor you know, morale improves, buy-in improves, uh, people feel better about their their leader or their manager because now they're investing, right? They just see that they're that they're investing time in the company, um, and so. That it it has building that process has more of an effect than just building the process. It has that cultural yeah. metamorphosis in the company where people begin to flourish. Right? Uh, they just they just go ah cool. Let's go for sure. Well, when we talked, when we sat in the room for the first time, I was like, all right, we're getting you on the podcast uh, because. We're advocates for you. We, we've lived it. We've experienced it. Uh, even if you know many more are to come, uh, happy to celebrate that because of how you helped us. And I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines. You know, helping however we can. I imagine you're doing a lot of the things just based on who you are to set yourself up for success. You got a VTO. Uh, yeah. Yep. Right? I just yep just redo it last night. All right. All right. Just to give you that clarity, you're a far higher uh, follow through than I am with an eight. So I imagine sticking to it, uh, having your own system and process, setting yourself up for success there. If we uh, pique the curiosity of somebody or or something that we discussed today resonated and they're like, ah, shit, maybe now is the time. Uh, maybe, maybe I should at least have a conversation with this guy or uh, they just want to follow you in your journey as well because they're uh, curious and uh, are going to judge your success as a factor in whether they should also take that entrepreneurial leap, right? Uh, it, now there's a lot on the line here. We're, bu we're building it up, Darby, but yeah. uh, they can get in touch with you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn. Darby Walsh. Darby Walsh at LinkedIn. And there's a business page for Delta Business Strategies. Yeah. Website is? DeltaBusinessStrategies.com. All right. I'm sure you're open to pick your brain sort of conversations, but do you have a process for how they could start the process? Should they want to? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's contact. It's just get a hold of me. Let me know that you're interested. Uh, the, um, we started off with a, just a quick, quick phone call, you know, just, just get to know each other. Uh, I, I like, um, I like to then use that phone call to set up a, inf, you know, a face-to-face -face meeting. Um, there's so much more to be had with like, yeah. So we'll just, you know, um, do a little face-to-face -face discovery. We'll talk about um, where where you're at, uh, where the organization is at. If you're, you know, if you're, hey, listen, we're ready for explosive growth or we're ready to grow or we need some help, we have a problem, um, you know, just kind of determine where where you lie there and um, just agree on some times and dates and how we're going to proceed. Sure. And this could be, you said, small to mid-sized companies that are readying for growth or plateaued, right? Maybe they, they have potential for growth, yeah, but they've been stagnant because they're too involved in it and don't have these well-formed processes. What about geography? Where uh, would you say is most relevant to service if you're a business in Northeast Ohio? So right now, yeah. I mean, right now it's, it's Northeast Ohio. 
Um, I am not opposed to travel. I'm not opposed to going really, I mean, anywhere. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, I love to, I love to see new places and do new things. Um, but, uh, yeah, primarily, primarily right here in, in Northeast Ohio or Ohio. Sure. Um, but I'm Pennsylvania, Indiana, Michigan. I don't really care really. As long as we can work out some details. Right. Uh, and my wife doesn't get too mad. My kids are all teenagers, so. You know, as long as they put a nice plate of food in front of them. Yeah, they'll be happy. Well, they'll be they're happy, right? So I can get away for a couple of days. Um, I would say that, you know, that it is an investment, though. It's not, um, it's it's probably at the bare minimum uh, a week um, that, that, it's, that we're talking, right? Because um, it's mapping this big overall process. Uh, it's then diving into these smaller processes. Right, the bigger the company, the more things you're going to have going on, um, and so uh, it is an investment, um, but it's an investment that, that will pay off as your foundation, as you strengthen the foundation of your company. For sure. Are you talking like a week straight, generally? Yeah. So, uh, and I think that that was part of the that was one of the things that you know. So when when, when you and Pete and Liz and I met, you know, we kind of had to break some things up because of some time constraints with scheduling. Um, it makes it a little difficult to do that. It's not impossible. Um, you know, one of those marine things like Semper Semper Gumby is our is our secondary motto, always flexible, right? Um, and so I'm not afraid of mixing things up or whatever. Um, but for continuity's sake, uh, the, the more time we can string together is better. Um, but certainly it's it becomes, you know, Working with some teams here and there, then me doing some documentation and then back and forth. It's not like I'm going to come in and take the team's whole week time period. It's going to be just doing some observations and then doing some testing, right? So part of the part of what that step is, is that once you kind of have everything written, you got to confirm that that's the right, that we have it right and, and making sure that the teams are all aligned with how it goes. So it's... The time constraints are going to be customized to your business. Yeah, that right? makes sense. But it's a but it's a commitment for sure. I know when we went through it. I mean, there there was also flexibility in like how the processes were documented, and that was one thing. I know we didn't touch on too much, but I thought it, it makes sense to to call out is that you can do it a number of different ways. Uh, we personally personally benefited from loom and bomb bomb and these other screen record features that uh to be able to quickly talk through something uh and then show it step by step especially in some of the more granular uh procedures and sub processes and things crazy helpful you seem to say you know each business is different each process is different the tool or method you know there, there was flexibility there there's different ways of recording right so we can you know, if you if you want to put them all in a Word document and have a big pile of paper, right, which is high, probably unlikely, but if you want to do it that way, we can do it that way. If you want, um, you know, if you want to use some of these other digital platforms, um, we can plug everything into the digital platform and it's there for, you know, as long as the servers are running. Right. And I'm sure you'll continue to see successes and downfalls of each to be the uh, aggregate of what people are using and what works yeah. best so you yeah, can form and, recommendations and, too yeah and it's and that's just it right that's that that's that whole flexibility thing right it's it's um it's how you want to run your business 
I'm just going to facilitate drawing that out of the team, get, getting it into common practice, followed by all, right? And then we'll work to simplify. We'll work to make sure that it's there as a tool for you to use and for your, your managers to use day in and day out. We're all about help first. If there's one or two things that anyone who listened to this could go do that you think would help them with their own processes, maybe a first step, something that they could do, even if you disconnect yourself from it and just say somebody who loves process and wants to see people succeed, what would one or two things be that they could do to take that first step and whether it be awareness, whether it be refinement, I don't know, well, what's something that you think would be helpful. So, so certainly the first step is awareness, right? Uh, you have to strip out the emotion, strip out the ego, right? Uh, and say, this is something that will make us uh, come into it with an open mind. Know that, uh, know that your employees will probably tell you that something that you've told them to do is not best it may be effective but not efficient uh, you have to be vulnerable you gotta you gotta strip out strip out that and be ready to be ready to learn some things about yourself and about your company um, and then embrace it and put it to work and as you know we've all seen that that you know we've all seen that person that's you know wants to exhibit some sort of bias and they stand in the way of progress, um, you're just going to hurt yourself. Sure. Right. And so be vulnerable to be ready to embrace it. Uh, and then hang on because, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I'm sure, you know, people that are running EOS and everything like, is that, as that catches hold in the culture? Uh, people love it. They, they, they love when there's structure. No doubt. Right. They love structure. And it's not it's not confining structure. It's give me the guardrails to be free and have autonomy. Right. Yeah. That you know there's a cliff there that is probably gonna be a core value issue or a cliff there that is gonna cost us money and customer and and be violation of brand. But is that I mean, is yeah, that fair? No, absolutely. Absolutely right. That freedom to run in between the the autonomy. Uh you know, that, that you can empower people with is huge. Anything that uh, I got one or two more for you, and then we're going to wrap this thing. So okay. uh, anything you know today that you wish you knew 10, 20 years ago, that through your own continuous improvement, through this stage in your career, you would go back and tell yourself that would make you a more effective leader, stronger at forming process? Um, uh, you know, the only th the only thing that I would tell myself would would be to drop the ego to you know i i've as a as a lifelong learner um i've focused a lot of that learning inward in the last couple of years right i thought that the i thought that the degree was important and i thought that the title was important and i thought that the money was important um and as I've become more comfortable with who I am and these assessments have helped me see who I am um, and 
strip that ego away, certainly I still struggle with it, right? We all have it. As I've been more aware and better at doing that, um, I've just become a better, I've become a better person. And um, I work at it every day. I struggle with it every day. Uh, but that's what I would tell myself. I would just, I, I would just say, quit being an ass and uh, kind of let it flow a little. Are you going to share this with your kids? Are they going to make, like, make fun of you or give you a hard time about one or two things you did or said? Or do you think they're going to? I've got four kids. They've made it a contact sport out of making fun of dad. Um, and there's no, I don't, I don't have a, I don't even have a safe zone. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, that, you know, part of that, part of that vulnerability is being vulnerable with your family. Um, knowing that, uh, you know, when they're making fun of you, they're doing it from a position of, of love and, and admiration. And, you know, so yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I, Try not to lose my temper. Right. Um, sometimes, sometimes marine guy comes out the woodwork. Uh, but um, yeah, absolutely, share it all. I've got a almost five, almost two year, or almost three year old, and then another one coming. And I, I have thought like, are they going to see this one day? And it's like, surely they'll make fun of you. They'll make fun of me. Uh, but uh, there's also a legacy piece of you know, kind of speaking openly, speaking honestly. It's from the heart that that hopefully. Uh, you know, it inspires them as well. I, I try to live my life by, I like to sleep. And if I can go to, if I can get to bed uh, and know that I've done a good job and uh, didn't, I did, I served better than what I demanded, uh, then... I usually sleep pretty, uh, and so sleeping at night is kind of my gauge. If I didn't sleep at night, I go back and I go, "What'd you do wrong?" It's a good barometer. Yeah, and then and then uh, and I go, "Well, I'm not I'm not doing that again. That was that was pretty dumb." I was hoping you were going to say a quarter mile at a time, but I actually like what you said much more, and it was more heartfelt. There's the. Uh, Vin Diesel from Fast and Furious says, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Oh, so whenever okay. I hear somebody say, I live my life, I'm like, uh? uh but I, that hits with me. I, I It's weird to think of, uh, it's not running from things that you'll regret, right? But it, it's also being aware of you know, kind of that look back. Uh, do you feel good about the decisions you made? Yeah. Who you are, who you uh, impacted, and did you put more out of the world than you took? So. And I don't care if it's just driving down the road and, you know, n not getting angry at the person that cut you off or, you know, did I give it my all at, at work today or, you know, was was I listening when my son was telling me, you know, some story that, right, as he drones on about a million details that have nothing to do with the final ending of the story. But, you know, did you do it right? Did you, right. did you, did you? Do you, do you not have any regrets about the way you did it? For sure. If you're present, if you're in the moment, you can at least acknowledge that and get a little better tomorrow. Incremental progress. Yeah, for sure. Any last thing you want to share with any listeners today uh, about process, about Delta business strategy, um, machine guns, fatherhood? I don't know. Anything else <laughs> you want to share before we wrap? Oh, I want to talk about right. machine guns. I'll talk. <laughs> we'll 
double this podcast. Well, I turned the volume up to 12 and I've been yelling the whole time to make sure you could hear me after that stint. But, you know, I just want to say thank you. Uh, thanks for, for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, it's, uh, you know, life's a journey. And this is something that I never, you know, I told you this, to be, I never thought that I would ever be in this position being on a podcast talking about something I think I know a little bit about. Yeah. Uh, but it's, um, it's been fun and I appreciate the, appreciate the, the opportunity. For sure. Wouldn't have had you on if we didn't believe in you. Um, I think it's often not what you know, but knowing the right questions to ask, you ask some really good questions. So, uh, help Darby and Delta business strategies grow, help your team get more out of their business and their time by forming better processes. Give this guy a shout, uh, or just pick his brain, right. And have some conversation about these things. Thanks as always for listening today. Hope you uh, stayed to the end and got this portion as well. And didn't just fast forward. Uh, if you did drop me a comment or, or send us a direct message and, uh, I'll send you some Buffalo swag or something special. All right. But, uh, folks, as always, thank you much charge into the storm.